Welcome to episode 80 of the Process Podcast. Much more. Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. Welcome to the episode 80 of the Process Podcast. I am Amante Martin. Today I have joining me Dr. Cesar Padilla joining me on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Padilla. Thank you, Amante, for having me on. It's a pleasure. Hey, thank you for joining us. Could you tell the listeners where you're from? Absolutely. So uh, born and raised in the Bay Area, California. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, the Bay Area is a, basically a segment of Northern California. Uh, we pride ourselves, we sort of call ourselves from San Francisco, San Jose, or Oakland, even though each city has its own little you know, individual sort of uh, flavor or culture. But uh, I grew up right between San Jose and Oakland. Okay, in the Bay Area. Uh, what was it like growing up in the Bay Area? The Bay was, uh, it, it, it's it, colorful. Um, so a, a little bit about myself. So I grew up in a predominantly uh, Latino neighborhood in the East Bay. So um, like a lot of cities in, in the United States, um, you know, a lot of, um, there's sort of like, you know, certain communities just we come together um, and sort of just live around each other. So my part where I grew up, my parents came from Mexico in the in the 70s and I was born in 1985 in the city where I'm from, Union City, the, the east side is basically where all the Latinos live. A lot of Latino, uh, Filipino, also Americans, um, Mexican-Americans and um, just very, very vibrant culture, um, working class and also the the ills of what comes with the streets too. Uh, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad too, you know, um, drug violence, gang violence, that stuff. Um, so I feel like just that environment, um, yeah, I don't like to think of it always in negative terms because there's a lot of richness that I that I, that I gather from it, but um, there's no question that it shaped me. What was it like navigating that lifestyle where you were from? Man, that's a great question. So, navigating that lifestyle i think you know for for those of us who grow up in a or grew up in a like in a, you know and i would say you know low socioeconomic setting because I, I think that's a really you know 
bonds a lot of our communities together, you know, whether you're in you're in New York and Brooklyn or, you know, whatever it is in Oakland or whatever situation you're in. Um, I think poverty is what really sort of transcends any any neighborhood and really brings the ills. And I think what I learned is just how to be sharp. There's the best teachers are in the streets. And that's something that um, I learned pretty quick growing up. Like, you know, you can go to school and your teachers will be telling you something, but that's not the reality. Because once you step out into your neighborhood, you're seeing dope fiends, um, your friends selling drugs, some of your friends getting killed. I mean, these are realities that shape you. And so those are the lessons that either you learn from them and you step in a positive light, you know, or you take the positive from these experiences or you unfortunately fall a victim to it. And I think that's what happens in in our neighborhoods is, is I think you mature quickly and it, it sort of takes a little bit of your childhood away from you. But at the same time, it makes you mature. Like, you know what life's about. And for me, I think I was like 17 or 18 and I'm like, yeah, th this is real. And I, I don't want to get into this because, because the consequences are real. Yeah. You know, so I think, um, you know, sitting back and definitely being on, on this side now where I'm a physician now and I've, already gone through my training uh, i've had a lot of time to reflect and contemplate and, and i would say that you know it it just taught me how to pay attention you know whatever you say can come back to you and that's something you learn when you're 14 15 it's not like you can't hide behind a computer screen you know because you're going to see some real people that you know you're yeah. exposed to some realities and, and, and i think that you know it, it shapes you you know mature a little quicker a little more you know just wise to the situations oh yeah oh yeah so thinking about your trajectory now where you are now but back then you know what was your aspiration you know how were you academically uh, was that always your your end goal to, to become a physician no definitely not Monte I mean I think um, what happened was I became a byproduct of my environment so like a lot of Latino and um, you know, Asian kids, um, like I said, Filipino Americans. We even had, we had a, um, a segment of our population was also a black from, um, we had students come from Oakland, California to our high school. Um, and, you know, you just see how the lack of opportunity for uh, minorities was just taking us out. And what I mean by taking us out is we were the ones dropping out. We were the ones getting involved with unfortunate situations around us whether it's drugs or gangs and stuff like that getting in fights in school and i think what happened is I, I just felt like that was it i'm like all right i'm never gonna go to school and i think it's only natural right to think that because my closest friends growing up they were you know they had families that were gang banging that were you know in, in that lifestyle I, I never did that personally but i had close or friends very close to me who were doing that I also had friends very close to me that were selling drugs and stuff like that. I never did that, but when you're so close to it, it's gonna those it's gonna affect you. So the way it affected me is that basically like I didn't want to go to school because it was unsafe. You know, I'm, I don't want to get in fights. I don't want to get jumped. I don't want to join a gang because that that's just not what I want to do. So I stopped going to school in the tenth grade. It was around November, December of the tenth grade. I stopped going to school and I was like, that was it. That I didn't want to continue because I didn't see a path for me and you know luckily uh, I was able to have very positive influences around me um, 
went to a new high school. Um, but, you know, I, I think a big part of my story is that I did lose a hope and I was a part of my environment and there was a lot of pain and suffering around me. And the way that I felt is it just demoralized me thinking of it now. It, I, I didn't have that understanding then of what it was, but I just didn't want to go to school because I, it wasn't safe for me. What, what was you to attribute a turning point or what would you point to as a turning point in your life that kind of flipped the switch for you? Yeah, no, definitely. Great, great question. So first of all, you know, faith in God, because it's just, you know, something that was always been instilled in me. I grew up Catholic, but we have a strong um, connection to our, our, um, our culture and religion just through growing up. So every summer our parents would take us to Mexico. You know, we didn't have no fancy summer camps or anything like that. <laughs> it just wasn't that, you know? So what would they, our parents would do is they would buy tickets for me and my little sister and my grandmother to go to Mexico. And we would go to the state of Jalisco, uh, which is like Western Mexico um, and little town where my family's from. And that was my summers, man. It was, you know, just visiting my cousins over there and actually it's kind of interesting to say because i like you look at the news now in mexico is you know problems with narcos and gang violence and all that but for me it was the safest place in the world everyone in the community looked after you everyone knew who you were and i think those summers gave me that foundation like like you know because when i came back to the u.s it was like man this is scary here like there's a lot of bad stuff around me um I didn't feel safe, like I mentioned in school, but then I had all these like a completely different experience in, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And then um, one of those summers, actually the summer I dropped out, I met my, you know, future wife, you know, we've been together now <laughs> since, uh, it's crazy to think we met in 2001 in August. Uh, that's the year I dropped out. Um, and we met, um, yes, crazy amount you know this before 9-11 mm -hmm. and you know I was 16 years old she's 14 and I think you know she was definitely a more mature person sort of inclined she also Mexican-American also inclined academically but I think the you know the point of me telling you this is that I found a lot of refuge in my culture and in the comfort of like okay there's a community here and, and I think I didn't feel that here like yeah you had your community your friends here in the U.S. but the police was always there man and it was just a reality of my situation mm -hmm. like it, it and you know I, to give you an example the the year that i left my high school there was police presence on campus and they would arrest kids like straight up racially profiled kids and to the point that the aclu got involved and eventually settled with the with their school district so that was that reality in school mm -hmm. and you know i have to give thanks to my culture my family my heritage you know meeting my wife back then for giving me the the um the, the safety you know the safety in my head to to believe in myself so i think that was like the the, the light that struck the match like or, or the, may i say that backwards so i think that was really the spark that started the fire it was like knowing that i'm much more than than this i'm much more like like my culture's deep you know mm -hmm. wow that's powerful mm -hmm. man oh go ahead go ahead no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. My question is, you know, I struggle academically, mm -hmm. but the switch went off in me, mm -hmm. but I still had to, you know, push, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of push myself academically. So so the question I want to ask you, you know, the switch went off and you kind of found refuge and, and support within your culture and, and within your religion. Well, how was it, you know, 
turning back and facing those you know academic challenges that's a really great question because like i said i just i felt like the the spark was finding refuge in my culture in my family in my community but what happened next and i, and I think it's appropriate this is where the process begins so it's like the title of, of your show this is where the process begins so yeah how did i go from literally you know less than a one gpa i think i had a point it, it was like 0.67 or something i, I post, posted this on twitter it was like crazy it was like all s and a few d's so what happened how did how did the process begin um the first thing you know i think uh, you know it's starting from square one and, and really like what happens is you gotta just for me it was um digging down and just th th there's a level of humility to this so i knew that i wasn't on that track to go to a four-year school and i was okay with that and so what i needed to do is start from square one what are those small obstacles ahead of me that i need to conquer so what i did is I went to a new high school because my dad used a friend's address in, in a neighboring town. And I met people there at this new high school that are friends with me until this day. So one of them, I want to give a huge shout out, James Marrero. And, um, you know, James is, is someone who I met when I went to this new high school with less than a one GPA, basically. And James was, um, he's half black, half Puerto Rican. And, you know, we're friends on the courtyard and first of all he wanted to be my friend and that was like crazy for me because i'm like dude like i'm like this kid who came from this new high school not really doing well but what struck me about james is that you know not only was he like latino and you know like me you know and he also had this passion um he was going to go to a four-year school basically and he was like yeah i'm going to go to rutgers university mm -hmm. and that was so profound for me because i'm like man like he was the first person I met that was my age, that was also a minority, that I knew was going to a four-year. Mm -hmm. Like, isn't that crazy to say? Yeah, it is like, crazy. Man, like, 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 this is what, the year 2000, this is now 2002, because, you know, we had just, yeah, it was, it was 2002 now. So I'm like, that's crazy. Like, and I was so inspired by his uh, dedication. I'm like, how are you so focused, man? Like. I didn't, I wouldn't tell him this because like, that's not just how we talked amongst friends, you know, but I'm like studying this dude. I'm like, how are you going to a four year school, man? Like, how do you, you know, I met his mom. His mom is a friend to this day. She's a mentor of mine, Dr. Santolina Marrero, you know, from, from uh, the PR from Puerto Rico, an amazing, amazing person, a soulful person, someone who is an author, someone who she, she basically like treated me like her son. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's worth mentioning that here because what I needed, Monte was I needed role models yeah and I needed someone my age James was that person that was my age my, my parents didn't go to school but Dr. Santolina Marrero his mom was my mentor by proxy I'm like I could do this I I, I swear to God I, I knew that was one of the moments I'm like yeah hey, I got this girlfriend now who says she wants to go to UC Berkeley I have this friend now who wants to go to Rutgers. I have, you know, his mom who's a doctor, you know, she got her doctorate from Rutgers. I'm like, I could do it. And then that's how it began, man. And you know, it's interesting because I dig into these emotions as, and I recall these memories as I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. And that was really it. It was a power of seeing people that I can identify with. And 
it's crazy because that's all it took, man. And I just needed a new environment. I needed to be away from all that oh, that yeah. nonsense of just the kids that were, the, 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 what kids were doing in my environment. I needed a new environment. And what I did is I went to an adult school um, at at that time when I met James, I, I had to go to an adult school to make up my grades. And that's how it was. It was a process was one credit at a time. I went to adult school, made up my credits. I managed to graduate with like a 3.0. I was thinking it was less than that. It was like a 2.8 GPA. But I made up my credits and I graduated on time. And the next step was community college. Mm-hmm. You know, and my and here's J- James's in Rutgers in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's it you know he he that i needed that yeah yeah i I think you speak to something very important is that you know representation matters um but also you speak to peer mentorship you know um if you you kind of spoke about your experiences kind of surrounded by kind of the street life but you know those individuals were kind of around your age also you know what i'm saying and so just kind of being in a different environment as being a product of your environment but this being a positive but so what was the transition like for community college for you? Uh, community college was actually, um, I, I needed that in my life because um, it was almost like meditation for me because when I went to school, I'm like, I'm like, you know, you mean all I have to do is, um, is, you know, is study. Like, that's all I have to do is I have to study. And, and as long as I get my grades, that's my job. And so I, what I did is I started treating it like my job, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think that you know I needed um, I needed that environment, and, and, to, and the reason why I say I need that, like, is because um, you know this is when a lot of the things in my environment were really turning into a bad situation for my friends. So my first uh, semester in college, in community college, is when my one of my close friends was murdered on the street. You know, gangbang and stuff. And I'm like, man, that scared me. That scared me a lot because I knew that I was in school and I was away from him. And, and this is someone I hung out with, you know, he would get the latest pair of sneakers of Jordans, of, you know, I mean, we were out, you know, he, he would get any of the, of the freshest clothes, you know, mm-hmm. and I would go to his house, you know, he would hook me up with some pairs of shoes with, with a good price. I didn't ask how he got them. <laughs> <laughs> But he was someone that I was close with. My, my dad knew his his, uh, his grandparents, you know, his. And, and so, like, the whole thing was like, this is someone I grew up with. And now he's murdered, man. Like, what is happening? So I think what happened is when when that happened, um, uh, amongst other situations, um, it made me focus in school because I knew that it's more than academics. Like this is more than just academics, right? This is now like survival, man. Like I, I have a duty. I have a duty now because my parents sacrificed so much to come to this country. And here, you know, we are literally just, you know, our, our, our friends are being killed on the streets. Yeah. You know, whether they got themselves in the situation or not, it's irrelevant, it's happening. And um, I think school became a meditation point for me. Like I just, I just got lost in it and it was a good thing like what i mean by get lost in it, it was like i was zoning out to chemistry and and i'm still the same kid right like i'm just like i like chemistry now and i've always been a hip-hop head then still i am now and you know i'm still the same like almost kid just evolved now because you know I, that's one of the things that 
that helped me through was also listening to hip hop, like the same music that we grew up listening to, still listen to now. And and I, I think of my path in community college and I think of it as like a place of refuge for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a place where I just, I needed to separate myself from the, you know, because remember James is now in, in New Jersey. <laughs> so I see yeah. him like twice a year, you know, yeah. when he comes on his break. So, <laughs> but I, I needed a place where I could just refuge, grab a book and learn about the periodic element, you know, the, the, the table of elements, you know, chemistry, whatever. So um, it became a place uh, of safety for me. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about once you graduated from community college, uh, what was next for you? So so what happened is I transferred from community college uh, to uh, the university in San Francisco, which is a, a, a Catholic school in in you know in San Francisco. But what was important for me during this process was the pipeline programs that I was exposed to. So one of the pipeline programs was um, by Stanford University. Like I didn't have the credentials to go to Stanford because um, they, they really don't take like community college transfer students, um, or at least if they do very little. But but I went to their pipeline programs. They had one um, for medicine, the one that I mentioned. And um, it was crazy because it was so inspiring. Like uh, I went in my first year of community college and my second year of community college and when I transferred to USF. And there at these pipeline um this pipeline program basically has seminars on how to write a personal statement, how to prepare for the MCAT. And I knew I wanted to become a doctor by then. Like I was like, yeah, I'm interested in medicine. Um, but I was, I had to convince myself because at first I didn't think I could do it. And then after going to these programs, like these pipeline mentorship programs, I was like, man, like I could do it. Like here are other, you know, doctors with my same, the same last name as me. I mean, I'm seeing like black and Latino doctors who basically are from like our environment, you know, doctors from Oakland, from from the Bay Area, I'm like, I can do it too. So those pipeline programs helped me a lot. And it was sort of like the same thing that I went through with James, right? It, except it was on a, on a different level. Now it was on the level of pipeline mentorship, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So so those programs helped me once I got to USF because once I got to San Francisco, I, I had the training from the SUMMA, from the, from the Stanford University programs to prepare me for med school. So by the time I applied to med school, like I knew how to write a personal statement. Wow. Yeah, I knew how to interview, you know, but but it was those pipeline programs that were free. Yeah. You know, it's incredible, right? Like these resources like that, that are out here for us, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I want to ask you kind of taking a step back just a little bit. What what interests you in medicine you know when did you know you wanted to become a physician man that's a great question um during those summer trips to mexico one of my grandma's sisters uh, was um, a nun and a nurse so a lot of a lot of hospitals in mexico are catholic based um, as are a lot of hospitals here in the u.s and um as a nun and the nurse she lived in the hospital it was like little imagine like a little brick hospital not little but a brick hospital old school man with nuns and that's where i would stay with them and with my grandma and my little sister during the summer for a few weeks at a time so you get to see like the realness of medicine like there's no like i never heard the term insurance company i never heard the term like oh fee for payment i never heard or or fee for you know Mm -hmm. for for care all i saw was people show up to the hospital and it was unfiltered man i mean people in car accidents you know blood this and that i'm like five or six years old man 
but I needed that. You know, it's yeah. crazy because yeah. like, you know what? That something was a little seed was planted there. And so every summer when I would visit my aunt, I'm like, you know, hey, what's up? You know, what do they do? Where's the ORs here? She's all like, oh, the operating rooms are in the back. I'm like, you know, what kind of surgeries do you guys do here? Oh, a lot of traumas, this and that. And I'm like, it, it interested me. And so I had this very rich education, uh, even though it was informal. And then when I was studying, you know, doing pre-med, I'm like, I want that. I want that realness. Like, there's something very, um, there's something very captivating to me about like treating a human being when they're like, I mean, when humans are, are, are need you, mm-hmm. it's like it, it. It's almost like a process of healing, man. Like you heal with the patients. Like it's hard for me to explain, but I saw this growing up. You know, I saw this in in the, um, you know, with the nuns. You know, um, in the convent. Um, they, they every single human being, and, and I think what helped me was like the way that they see patients. You know, mm-hmm. a, a term I heard growing up was um god is in every in every person and so what would happen is like and they really that's how they treated every human being man every it doesn't matter how poor you are man like you know every child elderly man is a representation of uh, of a higher being and so you basically like give it all you try to save every life and that's deep because because that is like that's real you know you you can practice like that for the rest of your life and so like i'm like that was my dna you know what i mean like my dna was like was that it was real man it wasn't none of this like oh if you're broke you don't get healthcare kind of thing no it wasn't that it was a completely different experience it was rich it was poor because that part of mexico was poor and you know desolate sometimes but at the same time it was rich it was rich in human human value human appreciation oh yeah seems like in that moment you're closer to god because you're closer to like life and death you know it's just man that's deep what you just said (laughs) yeah yeah so true and it's no it's no materialistic thing tied to it it's just um help and healing you know um and that's powerful that's powerful so it's uh about being it's about being part of a community man it's yeah. about being part of a community. You know, you look out for for each other. That's special. Like yeah. we need that. We need that. You know, we need um, to break down those barriers of like social economics. Like, you know, what separate? You know, man. Like we need to take care of each other. So I think that's what it taught me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I've only had one experience like that. It was in South Africa. And what I learned about you know social capital not really being a currency, but more so like how you treat people. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like communities based on that, you know, they are life, it's life changing. I, I can see that, you know, because it's, it's more real, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask, I want to ask, you know, preparing once you graduated from USF and for the listeners who are on the East Coast, not the University of South Florida, but the University of San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> once you graduated from USF, uh, what was next? You know, what was your plan? Uh, did you apply for med school? How was that process? man those months were a whirlwind it was like some of the funnest months of my life so i graduated from usf (laughs) university of san francisco yeah i gotta put that disclaimer out there (laughs) i graduated in may 2008 uh it was like may 15 and my wife graduated from uc berkeley the same day we couldn't even make it to each other's graduation 
It was crazy. We got married in Oakland, California the same day, man. What? On the graduation day? Or on yeah, like on a- the graduation day. It was... <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then we... Uh, and then that was a civil ceremony. And then we got married in Mexico that summer where we met. And then uh, packed up my bags and our bags. And we were newly met. We went to upstate New York, Rochester, New York for med school. And um, that was the, the beginning of that chapter, man. It was med school in the Midwest. And, uh, well, you know, people out there don't say East Coast. It's kind of funny. They said Rochester, New York is like East Coast. Some people call it Midwest. So sometimes I call it that too. But I get it. It's like New York for me. Like if you grew up in Cali, any part of New York is East Coast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's East Coast to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we, we, we were close to Buffalo, like close to Canada. And my oh. family's like, I thought you were in New York City. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm close to the, to the you know, Niagara waterfalls. But, um, that was, that was the next step for me. The next step was a med school and, um, you know, being a newlywed. And, um, you know, it was crazy because by that time I had, like I mentioned earlier, I had the academic credentials from those pipeline programs, from, from, you know, the transition. I learned a lot. And even though, I wasn't in a four-year school all the time. Like, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I felt like I had more life experiences, like mm-hmm. more life experiences that went all the way from adult school, community college, you know, to uh, undergrad. So I think that helped me because it, it it made me just gritty, you know? And that's something I want to actually talk a little bit about, for especially for your listeners. It's that there's actually more evidence to suggest that grit, you know, grit is like your determination. Like, I'm going to get through this. Like, you're meant mindset to get through things that actually is 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 uh correlated more with success than any you know test score it's not about a test score man like you track this data you know in different fields in in uh business and education like so what you get a high test score doesn't predict the type of human or your success long term you know whether it's personal or or on a you know in a career setting and it's actually grit and so I think that's what the, that's what taught me. It's like I had the best lessons from the street, like I said earlier, from you know my summers in Mexico. And I think I just learned that grit. You know, I learned that process of just never giving up. So by the time I got to med school, I felt like I was a sharpened knife in a good way. You know, I'm like, you guys are really complaining about this. Like, you know, my job is to be in an air conditioned room and study all day, and it kind of fueled me. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to do, and I wanted to prove. I wanted to prove everyone I'm like, I can do this. I can do this, you know, because I knew very little people from that class. I can think of just a handful that had a similar experience to me who really grew up, you know, facing a lot of this adversity. But it, it, it was a source of pride for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on something you talked about is grit. Um, and the listeners who've, who've been with us for a while know and kind of can see, but those who are new listeners, we've had you know, uh, MDs, lawyers, all the way to uh, two Navy SEALs on the podcast. And wow. I think the Navy SEAL story stuck out to me is because they say they went into SEAL training um, and they were like professional athletes all around. They weren't the best runner, they weren't the best swimmer, but what got them through was that grit, you know, the, the never quit mentality that, you know, I came here to finish. And so that is, that's true, especially from the data and from personal testimony, I can attest to that. But I wanna ask you, you know, being a newlywed, being from um, the Bay Area, what was it like transitioning all the way across, you know, the nation 
you know, you're, you're facing harsh winters now. Uh, you're newlywed. What was that transition, you know, for you personally? Like? I think it was actually good for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we needed, we need, I needed it continue on that it, it was sort of like my call to adventure our call to adventure like leaving california was good because you got to see a different part of the u.s like the reality in the bay area is that you're in a bubble too you know like there's a lot of you know predominantly left-leaning you know and no disclaimer like, yeah i am mostly left-leaning but it's predominantly left-leaning but it's good to be in an environment where your people are not like that especially med school like med school is we know the demographics of med school Mm -hmm. and you know unfortunately um underrepresented minorities black latinos um native americans like we have been historically underrepresented medicine for the last 20 to 30 years our numbers haven't changed too much and um i think one of the hardest things for me going to rochester in specifically being in medical school is not necessarily the location I'm like, oh, whatever, snow. I'm like, yeah, I got to get some snow boots or whatever. It wasn't really that. It was the transition to higher education. Yeah. That was hard, man, because I felt culturally isolated. Yeah. You know, I was the only Mexican in that class. Like, that's crazy. There's 104 kids. I'm like, what's happening? You know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what am I? So what I did is I just was like, okay, I, I guess this is like another way of just, you know, you know, I had close friends i'm like we just gotta just study study and, and, and it became work after a while you kind of just you gotta just focus down on the work because it goes by you so quickly and every test is high stakes um so i think the hard part for me adjusting was the um sort of the the cultural uh sort of adaptation to med school but you know i want to mention again the power of mentors one of um you know the, actually she's retired now but the associate dean of the medical school at the time uh, black woman uh, named uh, Dean Lee. Brenda Lee was someone who was, you know, providing me comfort because I spent a lot of time in her office. She gave me a lot of guidance. She understood my path. She knew, and because she had, it, it, it was just like stepping into like, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Dr. Santalinda Marrero. You know, some someone like that, someone that knows you. So I would go to her office, and her office, and she was like, you know, tell me about your experience. Tell me about this. And she was like that for a lot of us, like minority students. That helped me. I needed that, you know, I needed that way because academically I was fine. I was fine passing the test and this and that, but I needed someone to guide me more on that personal level. She was one of those persons. She's retired now. She's, uh, you know, one of those, one of those angels that, that, you know, protecting a very special part of your life. I want to ask, it seems like what I'm hearing is it seems like you know, once you kind of buckled down and got it together, you you kind of, based on your experiences, you kind of knew that, you know, you were all in basically. But I want to ask, did you ever struggle with like imposter syndrome or anything like that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially when I got to med school for the first time, it was hard, you know, being one of the only, you know, like Spanish speaking persons in your, in your class. And yeah, it's hard, man, because you feel like you don't belong. And I'm like, what? Should I quit? And and this is where people like Brenda Lee, you know, helped me because she was like, I sat in her office, man. Her office like the confession room for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just would show up and uh-huh. 
but I needed that, you know. I and I think a lot of you know your, our listeners can really identify with that. The power of mentors, and she was like, no, she's like, you know, what you're feeling is is true. It's validated. You need to continue this. She taught me a lot, and I had other mentors like that too, like throughout residency um, and even today. Wow. But um, but it was those people that meet you in very vulnerable stages and help you along. So even though I did feel imposter syndrome, um, it was the mentors who helped me through. And, and I really, I really believe this. Um, just a following is that I wouldn't be here if it was not for mentors. Whether it was on a on the beginning scale, like my friend James, or the transition, you know, or like Dr. Semplina Marrero, other counselors that I, I didn't mention, you know, and it, it predominantly, predominantly black and and Latino. Uh, counselors, uh, whether it's on the community college level or med school, like this is what guided me, you know, um, um, this, you know, these are the people that were like the angels and, you know, were sh you know, shining that light for you so you can see the next step. You put in the work personally, but you have people guide you, oh, yeah. make you feel, make, make you believe. And so, um, yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I didn't understand a lot of this until I like most recently, you know, more recently where you're reflecting on your past experiences and you're like, wow, you know, it, you know I think this is why I love mentorship now because mm -hmm. I know how it changed me. Oh, definitely. I have, I have to uh, give a quick shout out to the mentoring at Purdue program. Uh, that just, it resonates with me. Shout out to Dr. LaVon Esters for giving me the opportunity to go to grad school and mentoring me through my process. So that, that resonates with me. Mentoring does matter. You know, yes, um, it, it is very key and pivotal in my in my life also. Uh, but I want to ask, you know, what was next for you uh, once you graduated from med school, and, and what type of medicine did you want to practice? So I always loved anesthesiology because um, I just felt like you get a little bit of everything. You get a little bit of that excitement of the operating room, um, and it's just very, um, you know, it's very uh, quick. You know, it, it can be very quick. You know, a lot of it's sort of like every medical specialty has their own special sort of um, sort of characteristics and their special strengths, if you will. Mm -hmm. And for me, anesthesia was just one of those fields that just spoke to me personally. So I went back to L.A. Oh, I should say that I was the first time I lived there, but I came back to Cali, did my residency in L.A., and um, it was a great experience for me. Worked hard. Residency is hard. There's just no other way to put it. You just got to put in the hours. Um, but I was a much more mature person by then. I think I had adapted successfully to the professional sort of uh, role, you know, like higher education role. Mm -hmm. And then I met again, great mentors uh, in residency that told me, hey, we have a problem right now in the United States, which is the problem of maternal mortality, which is the fact that women are more likely to die now giving birth than they were 30 years ago um, almost three times as likely to die now which is crazy to yeah. think because you know we're in the united states right we're the richest country on earth and um, unfortunately the burden falls on black women who are three to four times more likely to die and native american women as well three and this is also in the united kingdom too so it's not just in the u.s but in the united kingdom and um you know that field spoke cl close to me like obstetric you know doing like extra specialization to help out high-risk pregnancies so then what happened is you know it, 
I went to Boston. I had the chance to go to a Harvard, um, one of the Harvard uh, teaching hospitals, which is Brigham and Women's in Boston. And I did two, I did uh, my specialization in two fields there. I did obstetric anesthesiology, which is like high risk obstetrics. You're, you're getting patients through safely through an operation, through a C-section, in most cases. You know, you're, you know, a lot, a lot of those nuances are important, and um, in a lot of high-level medicine, and um, and then I did critical care medicine, um, which is basically like we've all seen or heard about critical care doctors, like on COVID. You know, it's like the last, the last stand of, of physicians, you know, of the place, the sickest of patients. And today, you know, what I'm trying to do is highlight the field of obstetric critical care, um, and there's. You know, a lot of us out there, you know, I want to give a shout out to um, these great people to follow. Um, Dr. Jason Vaught, who's out um, at Johns Hopkins uh, University. You you got to reach out to him, man. He's a great, uh, you know, I'll put you in, in touch with him. But um, he's also doing this like high risk obstetrics. Um, uh, but he went down the obstetric route, and, but he also did critical care. Um, Dr. Amir Shemshiraz, who's over at Baylor. Um, Sarah Ray Easter, who is at Brigham. I mean, these are people that like are your colleagues. Are like, you know, we, we feel almost like the Avengers. We're like, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's what, what happens in medicine. You find people that you click with. You know, you find mentors that that help you. Find you find people that believe in that cause. And so, for me, the way I find myself today is, um, you know, trying to highlight this important field of high risk obstetrics. You know, specifically like critical care, and. Um, inspiring residents and medical students to pursue this field um and that gives me purpose you know i think a lot of that just really you know uh, it speaks to me on a personal level and uh, it's something that i want to um you know hopefully um uh, help address along alongside other experts you know yeah yeah i, I want to ask you know just the unique time that we're in you know how has it been uh, being in the medical field during covid Oh, it's stressful, man. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. just no other way around it, right? Because every day you don't get to quarantine. Like when the pandemic started, you got to go to work every day. Yeah. There's very, there's a few fields like you do remote work. Um, I was not, a, you can't do remote in anesthesiology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You can't you can't do remote critical care obstetric anesthesiology. So uh, every day I was like nervous. Man, is this going to be the day I get it? And you know, thank God, um, did, never got the virus and got vaccinated. Wife's vaccinated now. You know, but we had people in my family in Mexico die. You know, people die in Mexico. Uh, uncle of mine in Oakland, California. Um, but um, it was. I mean, it's stressful. I mean, just no other way to put it. Um, you know, it's a mental drain because, um, you know, you, you you go outside to the public and not everyone is wearing a mask, you know. Um, and so, th you know, those types of things can be demoralizing. But um, but at the same time, um, you know, humans have been through this. You know, we've been through pandemics in the past, you know. So, you know, I have, uh, I have faith we'll, we'll, we'll grow through this, you know, coming together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, looking back over your life so far, you know all that you've been through what advice would you give your younger self um trust the process you know <laughs> i'm serious about that trust the process um i always knew like i was stepping in the right direction but you know you 
when you're the first one to do it, the first one to go to med school, you know, I was the first doctor in my family, there's a lot of unknowns, a feeling of uncertainty. And I would tell my younger self is like, uncertainty is okay. Uncertainty is part of, part of life. Like, you don't have to know what grade you got on a test every single time. As long as you gave it your all, and as long as you, you know, like, you, you have that grit and just really push through with the right people, like, you can rest at night, you know? And it, it took me a little while, you know, to, um, to sort of um, overcome that uncertainty. So I would just say, you know, trusting the process, you know, like do the work correctly and um, things will fall through and, and do things with integrity too, because I, I think, you know, trust that integrity, you know, money is, we know this, right? Based off studies, like money um, peaks at a certain level with happiness, it's not about that. It's about, it's about meaning and, and you know, purpose in life, integrity and, um, or trusting um trusting your your inner your inner path if, if that path is genuine you know so i would say, say that uh, you know i would say that to my to my younger self mm-hmm. i usually follow up with that with uh what does trust the process mean to you but i want to i want to ask you you know just from your life experiences what advice would you give to someone uh, kind of facing those similar circumstances that you went through that are, you know, want to go to med school and, and, and they might be the only one. What, what advice would you give to them? You're not alone. You're not alone. There are people around you that want to help you. There are people around you that are going through something similar to you. And there are people around you that actually need you. Like, there are people that need you. Like, even, even when I was in adult school, in the 10th 11th grade even when that was in adult school then i'm sure there were other students that would have um, learned from my experience at that stage even then and i think that's what we got to get across to kids is like you're not alone you know i think this this culture of like individualism me 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 it's all about you know you know that's all you see on tv right hey, yo, you know, social media it's so you know people are just so self-absorbed but that's not humanity man humanity is about coming together humanity is about helping each other out and that's really what gives you lifelong you know happiness and i don't even like to use the word happiness it just gives you lifelong sort of uh, fulfillment you know it gives you that and so i would say um you know i would tell a student like you're not alone you're not alone and don't be afraid to knock on doors like if you don't have a counselor if, or if you have a counselor that you don't identify with or if you don't have a counselor knock on doors knock on doors and if one, if one door short you know shuts on you knock on another door there's going to be someone there's going to be someone that wants to help you and um there are a lot of mentorship programs out there i want to highlight me mentor so at me mentor m-i-m-e and n-t-o-r instagram twitter but um i uh, i have a position with this uh it's it's basically a nonprofit aimed at mentoring underrepresented students in um particularly in medicine, but Mimentor has grown um, and they've had over 10,000 mentor to mentee interactions now. And, you know, this is a, this is how social media can be used for good. Yeah. You know? And so I would tell those students that like, Hey, look up Mimentor. Like we we're there for you. We're there for you. Like you can log on to this, like the let's use the power of communication for our good as a society. Let's, let's pick up those kids who feel like, you know the world is ending because they don't have mentorship that's not true we're here for you you know mm-hmm. that's awesome that's awesome i want to i want to thank you so much for taking the time out to just you know illustrate 
you know, your life experiences, and, you know, to kind of get into detail of, especially, you know, what motivated you to become a doctor and, you know, what you've learned from your life experiences. But I want to ask, you know, if, are there any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? And lasting words, um, always seek the positivity in, um, in life. Like uh, there's always going to be situations around you that can bring you down. Um, it, 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 and so what I would tell your listeners sort of lasting, lasting thoughts is um, learn from those experiences. Sometimes the best teachers are not in the classroom. Sometimes, like I said earlier in the show, they're around you in real life situations. Look around you, like look at who's really paying a price for certain decisions they're making in their life and apply those things, you know, take the good from that. The greatest lessons are all around this and, um, you know, seek out the, the positive of that, you know. Um, I'm very honored to have been from, you know, even though I struggled growing up, I'm very honored to come from that environment because it gave me, it built me, you know, it built me. And so, yeah, we grew up, you know, poor working class, but it built me. And so I would tell, you know, your, you know, our listeners, I would say, because, you know, I'm speaking on this subject. I would say, you know, take pride in that. Like, it's okay, you know, your struggle, like let it define you in a good way. Let it define you in a good way and you can grow from it. And don't think that you're just all alone. There are people out there that really want to help you. And so I would say, you know, seek that that mentorship, you know, learn from your from our experiences and seek that mentorship in life, you know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, where can the listeners find you? If they want to connect uh, either for mentorship or just to give you feedback on this episode, where can they find you on social media? Um, at Dr. Caesar. Um, so hopefully when you guys post this, you could, you could, uh, uh, you know, post a little link to my Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Caesar. And then on Twitter, it's uh, at the Millennial MD. Um, and it's pretty easy to find me. I think if you just search on Twitter, like Caesar Padilla MD, um, you'll be able to find me. Um, and then hopefully like when, um, when listeners, um, when you guys post this, like they could, you know, you'll be able to see my picture or whatnot, but definitely reach out. Um, you know, if I can't help you, there's, um, a community of us that are there definitely. And like I said, like me mentor is one of those, um, organizations that has its, um, it's, it's, it's soul in this, in, in mentorship. So uh, there are definitely opportunities. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth, overcome. the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered like that was my thing you know oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave not only on the industry but the effect that I want to leave on people being a whole human being going through my obstacles going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things but 
for it to inspire change. 